3: Welcome to the My oh Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of myomansaid.com and joining me for, oh, it's kind of a transitional podcast from uh, the Euros into uh, next season, although we'll be sticking mainly to the aftermath of uh, Euros 2020 that saw England uh, draw against Italy in the final. That's how it ended, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah all square. Stout, mate. Yeah, not not a bad result. Joining me to discuss that and more, Mr. Chris Budd and Mr. Phil Shaw. Welcome back, gents.
2: Hello, sir. Hello. How are you?
3: Not too bad. Not too bad. I I, uh, I watched the uh, the final in the Isle of Wight,
2: visiting an, an old friend. You got you got you got like literal land, like sea mass between you and the idiots. Then uh, what? What <laughs> are you talking about? The England team. <laughs> oh, well. Mm. Ooh.
3: <laughs> Oh, Chris Bird! How, how dare you say that? I meant the fans. Ah, you're talking about the people that put uh, pyro up their ass and uh, <laughs> well, stormed. I mean. It reminded <laughs> stormed the me of Rogers. That did storm the barricades. Yeah, yeah. But more, and more of that later on. But how are you, Mister Phil? Good, all good. How is it as a neutral? Oh, was depressing because I wanted England <laughs> to win. It's something I'd yeah. never seen
4: before. So I wanted it to happen. Something Would you have you've got a bank seen? holiday, Phil? Oh, we already had a bank holiday over here. So we were like, I was fully loaded. What is it? The Battle of. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the 12th. So it's like. Um, what is it? What's is it, it called? called? Yeah, it's the, that's just what it is. It's
3: just the 12th, so it's the commemoration of the Battle of the Boyne. That's it, the Battle of the Boyne. Yeah, it always pops up in the diary, Battle of the Boyne. But I just thought, because you're a uh, a man of the area, you'd be able to educate our listeners on the significance of that. But it basically, could. big, big, really seriously big bonfires. You need to uh, Google these bonfires. They
2: literally look like the Leaning Tower of Pisa,
3: don't they? Quite
2: a, quite a sight.
3: All right, coming up on the show, we uh, get into the latest uh, Villa news uh, as uh, season twenty-one, stroke twenty-two begins to boil or bubble, should I say, simmer gently. Also, in three points, we look at uh, largely uh, look at the fallout of the Euros before, rather than just going through the final. As a reaction, uh, we've picked out three key factors: the early part of the game and how that the attitude to that after they took the lead was pivotal. Also, the the back five formation and uh, the response of that to as the game went on, and also uh, the penalty situation, which we hope we will uh, clarify and provide some truths and uh, facts to uh, throw on uh, the fire of what's been uh, raging uh, over the last few days. Uh, Before we go on, I just want to give a shout out to Free Trade. Uh, The show is supported by Free Trade, the commission free trading app that makes it easy for you to buy shares and EFTs to help you grow your personal wealth to give you a more structured, calculated alternative to betting. Football's all about trying to uh, get people to bet, so we've taken a different route and tried to get supporters to invest instead. You can uh, claim uh, a free share on us by going to freetrade.io slash moms, M-O-M-S, where the free share will be anywhere between £3 and £200. Remember, as with all investments, your capital is at risk. The value of your portfolio can go down as well as up, and you may get back less than what you invest. Another bit of housekeeping. Uh, Please do uh, follow us on Twitter. The designated address is at said which is different to the uh, the main mom's address. It's a dedicated address. So uh, please uh, do follow that to uh, stay in touch for when the show pops up. And also, uh, please help spread the word as well by uh, retweeting and, and liking it as well. Right, let's kick things off with the Villa News. First of all, congrats to uh, Mr. Martinez, who, uh, when he's not hip thrusting nowadays, is winning the Copper America. Now, he's somebody that I wish was in goal uh, for uh, that penalty shootout for England. He's he's just an animal now. I thought he was a nice, uh, upstanding member of society. But when he goes back to Argentina, he he gets all feral and... Just becomes uh, a serial winner. (laughs) Just becomes a a shithousery winner, so uh, congrats to him. Also congrats to Grealish and Mings for their contributions. In reaching the final, no other Villa players have ever got to a... uh Euro Championship Final because no other English players have got to it, so it's you know it's still a significant achievement. As is the experience for uh, it's all good experience for these players. I mean they're coming back for Villa season and they've had top top level experience, and as has uh, Douglas Luiz uh, being the runner up to Martinez's uh, Argentina for Brazil. So in terms of uh, the Villa picture, it's it's all good on that front. They'll feel like more senior players, won't they, through through the experience? Yeah,
2: they've been they've been at the business end of serious level of competition which is you know pivotal doesn't get much higher
3: higher than the Champions League I would argue
2: I would say so yep yeah in terms of
3: international and national uh intrigue I mean so many people now know who Grealish is I mean it's, it's, it's to me it's kind of surreal talking to like people's uh, wives or uh, or friends who don't not interest don't normally have an interest in football everybody knows who Grealish is now so it's uh that is a different kind of level. You can play in the Champions League, but it doesn't get you that uh, kind of status. And you know, Grealish is popping up in Boohoo ad- ads already. And the, the, I saw the share price for Boohoo shot up uh, today. That was probably just because Grealish was in those ads. So there's the influence on popular culture he will have henceforward. And if you th- if you think of uh, if you think international football it doesn't matter,
4: you know, just look what it meant to Messi whenever um, the final whistle yeah. went. They just fell to his knees crying. So- yeah, no, exactly. It's the big. It's the big time.
3: Meanwhile, Villa still carry on accumulating young talent. Uh, Johnny Butchel, the uh, 16-year-old winger from Bournemouth, has uh, been signed up. He's already played in the Championship uh, despite uh, his age, and uh, also centre back Joss Feeney from uh, Fleetwood Town, who actually was on, used to be on the bench for Fleetwood when he was 15. And uh, he's since captained England under 16s as well. So uh, there's two uh, hot prospects that we seem to be.
2: stockpiling a little bit, aren't
3: we? I was just about to say, we're, we're doing what Chelsea and Manchester City do. So uh, you, can, well, you can see that's clearly one of our strategies for yeah. building uh, in terms of the long term anyway. Yes. Yeah,
4: playing the long game, not no short term.
3: Yeah. Meanwhile, Villa's pre-season schedule has been solidified by uh, the Bristol City fixture slipping in alongside those already announced uh, Warsaw Stoke, Sevilla, and then the forest uh, behind closed door, Bodymore Heath game as well. In terms of uh, other transfer happenings, uh, Kalinic has gone back out on loan to uh, Hajduk Split, uh, where he was last season. And we can't uh, get him off
2: the bloody wage bill, can we? <laughs> Cost too much.
3: Yeah, don't. Nobody fancies him uh, outright. He's got. Uh, previous credit in the belgium league but nothing's happening there either uh vasilev is off to Inter miami uh there's a bit of irony because in the the patron extra underrated and overrated of the whole squad where we uh we had a little section where every player we said if we had to get rid of him this summer which club would he end up at we actually had keenan davis going for Inter miami so uh oh, keenan will be jealous then it's yeah. happening to vasilev in real life it's not a bad move it, can
4: you imagine the meeting with uh, Dean Smith? It's like He comes in and goes, Dean, I, boss, I, I don't want to go on loan again. I really don't want to go on loan. It's, it's time yeah, to fight I've had enough of birds and yeah. I, can't, I, can't, I can't do yeah. it. And then he just goes, oh, we've actually got one lined up here, but if you don't want it, that's okay. And then, oh, where is it? It's in Miami. I'm like, Oh, no, let me see that again. Can I
3: just <laughs> see that contract? <laughs> yeah, you'll be playing
2: for free. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah, hang on a minute, I get, I get an apartment on South Beach. Yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Yeah, so uh, that's a good good deal for Veselov. So we'll look forward to him coming back in a year's time about three stone heavier from partying then. Meanwhile, after around
3: 27,000 season ticket renewals, uh, there's around about 3,000 season tickets for the... uh, waiting list, which uh, was knocking on the door of 15,000 last uh, I spoke to the club. So uh, the last few days before we actually recorded this, uh, people have been uh, snapping up those final places. Uh, We had a uh, fan consultation group meeting. The notes should be out by the time you listen to this, but uh, you'd have already seen there's new membership uh, schemes have expanded the Clarent membership to different levels. You know, for example, uh, if you already have access to tickets or can't or have no interest in getting tickets because you live miles and countries away then there's a membership scheme for that as well as various tier youth uh, memberships also the villa tv is uh, something that they're trying to expand and up, up the quality and uh, offerings off uh, of course that comes with a price tag but you know you can find that out yourself so i'm not here to sell you that season ticket cards should be dropping uh, around july the 19th because uh, the games start to come thick and fast in terms of uh, pre-season friendlies etc Right, on to the three points. First of all, oh, the fallout of the Euros. Apparently, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, has met social media chiefs regarding racism to uh, the three missed penalty players, Sancho, Rashford and uh, Saka. Now, this... It's almost like it's always approached as a, oh, shock, one-off, you know, this is disgusting. But this is exactly what happened. The last time England got beat on penalties to Italy in the Euros uh, 2012, when Ashley Young and Ashley Cole missed penalties, and I remember writing an article about that, basically saying if you think there's no racism in football, then, uh, you you know, you're living under a rock. The the big issue is, uh, which actually Villa's Tyrone Mings has... uh, hit the nail on the head is these kind of culture wars that keep going on in terms of the knee. Ming's put out a uh, tweet uh, Wait, was, he was responding to Pretty Patel's uh, message of how she was uh, discrediting the racism and accused her of stoking the fire ahead of the tournament when she uh, basically accused... Was it her that uh, accused the bending yep. knees? Uh,
2: yeah, gesture politics. Gesture
3: She's- politics, yeah. She's deleted the tweet, but the, the video
4: of the interview where she said it's still circulating about.
2: Of course it is, but that'll be offline off soon, I'm sure, as well. Didn't happen.
3: He said uh, she should not get to stake the fire ahead of the tournament and then pretend to be disgusted when the very thing we're campaigning against happens. I mean, throughout the government, you've had another MP, uh, Natalie Elphick, the Tory MP for uh, Dover and Deal, they who sent a private WhatsApp message to other uh, MPs saying, would it be ungenerous to suggest Rashford should have spent more time perfecting his game and less time playing politics? that will go down well with the constituents, I'm sure. Well, you should see the constituents if if a cover header of uh, Twitter is anything to go by. Oh, God. Also, uh, Conservative MP Lee Anderson has previously said he would not watch the team because they took the knee. Senior government members uh, have called out and said it's just, it's absolute tragic this culture war needs stopping. It's a laughing stock, and uh, you know that is pretty much exactly what I think. It's it's just embarrassing and, and stupid. And you know, regarding that knee, it's it's completely up to the players if they feel like they need to do it because uh, there's racism and and hello, newsflash, there is. It's up to them. It's not up to me or any of these MPs or any racist pricks out there to actually even have the conversation should they or shouldn't they does it achieve anything and this is what people are saying oh well, it hasn't achieved anything they've been doing it for a year it hasn't cured racism has it Where's well, it's the point. it's basically to fire a flare and say there is racism we're not happy about it
2: and the fact that you know italy actually supported them and didn't they? they took the knee as well and they're a country who in football they've had probably worse racism problems than us so it's good that they actually showed a bit of solidarity yeah. But uh, the bottom line is, if they feel the need, it's
3: up to the players. It's got nothing to do with anybody to pass judgment or commentary on it. So uh, that's my
2: two pence on it. Especially anyway. when they've been transparent with their reasoning for doing it. Yeah, yeah,
4: and then of course there was talk about uh, like a reception for the England squad at uh, Downing Street this week, but it's been surprisingly cancelled. So yeah, funny that. Yeah, probably didn't
3: want to face them. No, but... Players uh, want to go on holiday. Well, yeah, there is that as well. All right, uh, point number two. Uh, UEFA have released a team of the tournament for the Euros, uh, including the England trio of Walker, Maguire, and Sterling. Looking at the 11... Uh, um, how many Italians? Uh, Donnarumma, who's only 22 years old. I didn't realise that. Uh, in the sticks for Italy. No, Chiellini. But
2: his, but his partner, Benucci's in there.
3: Benucci in there but no Cellini and been at Ma- Zola's in isn't he? Maguire's in there and he didn't uh he didn't actually play the first two games Ming's uh, deputized for him so I mean Maguire had a good tournament by all, by all uh- accounts but uh you didn't play all the games it's kind of a strange one
2: i think you've got to go with uh pedri from spain yeah he was brilliant georginio was great and then obviously holberg from denmark was good while they were in the tournament so yeah i mean uh if you look at all the bloody
3: stats uh pedri pretty much uh has all uh you know has all the a lot of the like the creating uh creating actions i think they call it forward (laughs) runs and some such things (laughs) Progressive carry. Yeah, no space for Ronaldo, despite him finishing off the, uh, the top scorer with five. Speaking of Ronaldo, uh, I was going to mention at the end of the show, but uh, might as well mention it. He uh, He's the first player in European Championship history to appear at five different tournaments. He is, if anybody used to watch Thundercats, he is Mumra the Ever-Living. Oh, dear. it oh, reminds n- me of n- being I've- very young yeah it's a niche again <laughs> very niche but uh, the, we we will have listeners who uh, know all about that right point number 3 uh Italy's boss Roberto Mancini's son Andrea had his Wembley seat stolen by guess who a ticketless England fan one of those hundreds that actually got through uh, initially the FA were denying it that's quite interesting in the build up because we saw it unfolding on the social media on social media but the when you were watching the uh, the re- respective telecoms Live telecast of the game. Nobody was like, you know, indicating anything was actually happening. But I uh, don't think there's any chance of uh, England winning a hosting bid anytime soon. Probably not in my lifetime, anyway. Uh, they were already fined uh, for the semi final antics of fans for lasering Schmeichel, booing national anthems, and letting of fireworks. They got fined 25,000. Plus, for that. Now, uh, UEFA are looking through. I mean, not only the invasion of the stadium, but booing of the Italian national anthem, more pyrotechnics, throwing of objects. There was a pitch invasion as well.
2: To be fair, the security gave it an absolutely shocking effort to get that person off the field as well. They were awful.
3: Yeah. Then disciplinary investigation into events involving supporters, which occurred inside and around the stadium. Yeah, I think you've all seen footage of that, and just violence all around. I mean, you, you have to be careful sometimes in interpreting uh, social media violence because there was one video going out, and, say, and and the headline basically were and how people were commenting on it was the shockingness of like of of an old you know gammon type. Fan punching a kid and also kicking some Asian guy, uh, two or three people, kicking some Asian guy when they were down. But then, when you actually, you know, watched it properly, it they they were part of the posse that invaded. You know, the kid and and the chap who was on the ground getting kicked. So. As far as I'm concerned, they got what they asked for. And the actual England fans were helping security.
2: Who had a thankless task, by the way. You know,
3: people say, oh, England fans animal fighting amongst themselves. But, you know, you've just paid a grand, up to three grand for a ticket, and then these fucking pricks are running through. You're not going to be happy about that.
2: Well, that's what you saw in a lot of the video
3: footage, was people shouting at them, going, pay your money. Yeah, and that's why they were punching these pricks in the face and, you know, and. it's um sorry, but all bets are off. Once you you know once you're trying to do that, what you're gonna have you're gonna have to uh, pay the piper, so to speak.
2: I mean, I, I sort of tweeted in, and I, and I stand by it. But there's a lot of those England fans that broke in that are very lucky boys that we were the home team because we've seen historically that if they'd have done that, and the game was in Rome, they'd have been waking up in the hospital because the police would have been going around cracking skulls. Or the locals would have served them up themselves. It just, it just wouldn't happen, would it? I mean, and there's a
3: tradition tradition of people breaking into Wembley uh, for cup finals. I mean, you know, my father sh- did it in I think '76. They would, you know, get in and then hide under the seats before the game started. For the FA Cup final but you know this is something that. but then you know you think you look at the prices and you think well if you're all pissed up on the day you can kind of understand slightly I mean you can't really make any excuse for uh, the actions but you can see the triggers like the prices of thousands of pounds for a ticket that kind of gives them well fuck it like you know let's do it you can't make excuses but you, you need to try to understand why these things happen and that's why you know same with racism you've got to look at and, and get to the groups and have the conversation with the groups that actually do these things and say these things yeah, it's like shutting shutting the door after the horse is bolted isn't it it's
4: like they're starting to say all these things whenever it's already happened i mean it was
3: yeah, you're all putting all... out statements just to decry it and uh, it'll happen again there was just so
4: there was just so many, like, uh, trigger factors. I mean, an, an 8 o'clock match, I mean, the, the time that some of them would have been in the bars from or even, you know, starting the drinking in the trains on the way down, it's just so, yeah. so so early. I mean, you'd nearly be drunk and sober again by the time and, st- and started to get drunk again by the time the match came
2: along. I mean, there was all the antiques in Leicester Square as well, away from the ground, just people indiscriminately throwing bottles. It wasn't like it kicked off with the police or something. This was just knobheads yeah. just going, "Oh, just every, if everyone else is doing it, I'll just launch my bottle when I'm done with it."
3: Yeah, but as you know, as Phil just said, you got to, you always got to look at uh, potential triggers, and at the you know the bottom line is. They try to maximise the amount of money they make out of these things, so they put them on at the, the TV time, you know, of 8 o'clock, and also charge as much money as possible for the tickets. So that doesn't create uh, a great situation, because A, you you're in drinking time, and, and B, you know, you're alienating certain fans. Yeah. But are they triggers enough to
2: warrant this? Well, certainly not. No. And, for, and as we know, traditionally, the national team do attract a, a group of knobheads wherever they go, so it's... You know, it's all these things that happened. But you know, the the, the stuff with the, the three lads that missed penalties after the game and the, the antics before the game—it happened. Is it shocking? Probably. Is it predictable? <sighs> Fuck yeah, it is. It's so obvious. Something was something was going to happen, wasn't it? With an eight o'clock kickoff on a Sunday.
3: Right. Anyway, let's let's talk about football, shall we? Instead let's, of uh, all these things, we try to find a, a funny uh, three points uh, to end with, but there was no such thing. <laughs>
2: Unfortunately.
3: There was nobody weeing on goalposts or anything like that. Let's get to uh, the three key factors that I highlighted uh, for the game. Watching the game, I mean, we won't go through the team selection, blah, blah, blah. It's pretty much as expected. But that the wonder goal, I mean, it's a wonder goal in terms of the timing. It's a wonder goal if you want to win this game against the Italians. It's a great goal to have in the bank after uh, under two minutes because the Italians suddenly... They have to come out, so you need to think about that and and how you're going to play the game. And also, they look rattled. I mean... This was going to be a hard game, and you know, Italy will take you into the deep waters, and they do it very well. I mean, they've analysed the referee and what they can get away with, and we well, they took it to the edge of the rule book and got away with. It. There was a couple of red card incidents that they probably wouldn't have gone for or, or tried to commit if they knew that, uh, let's say, the uh, referee was a bit more card happy. So they know exactly what they're doing. But was there an opportunity there to uh, react to how they were rattled early on and react? to uh, being one nil up and maybe taking advantage of uh, this Italian team. But, I mean, I've defended Southgate all the way through because results and against Germany. This is the only other time we played this formation. I mean, we'll talk about the actual formation uh, as, as the second kind of main topic. But was Southgate's attitude to how they started and taking it a bit too conservative, is that something... We look at here and say that was a bad move or should he have kind of, instead of taking the foot off the gas and being a bit more guarded, should they have really gone for it a little bit more? Sensing an opportunity here to maybe deliver a, you know, a knockout blow.
2: What do you think? In a word, yes. I think when you get that the the goal so early and you know they're rattled, and the first 20 minutes England look good, I think you go, we've got them on the ropes, you've got to get the quick one-two in here because you know they're going to have fight in them, you know they're a good team, so you know they're going to react as they you know, as they did. But when you score after sort of two minutes, and then you know by about the half an hour mark, you're seeing Italy have grown into the game and now have control of it. You're thinking, well, there's no way you're going to retreat to your 18-yard line with what has become a back five. Now, I was four, you know, going a back three with wing backs. If the wing backs get pushed into midfield, but what and you they, saw as they, the game they, went they, on, sorry, go on. I was just about to say. I mean, anybody saying, oh,
3: they shouldn't have played that formation. Well, that's why Shaw scored. That was that and formation made actually- the goal.
2: <laughs> Yeah,
3: Trippier made the goal, he scored. That was that formation actually working to the T, but we never saw
2: that again, really. No. I think what happened was that the Italians rallied. I can't remember what minute it was in, but there was an injury because there was about four minutes. Injury time wasn't there at one point. And yeah. I think that injury, may, dare I say, was the turning point in the game because it gave Mancini a chance to just have a word with a few people, reassess and just and just tweak. We didn't I think Southgate was like, okay, the plan's working and didn't see Italy coming. And then, and then what you saw was the, our two wing-backs who obviously were you know, were brilliantly involved in the goal, you know, got the assist and finished it. Brilliant move from start to finish. But they, they stopped getting involved to make the midfield and getting involved. It became a back five. And by doing that, you saw the Italian three, especially Verratti, just run the game because I actually thought Phillips and Rice did really well Rice especially was superb but they were getting out they were getting outrun was it Verratti that that basically bounced him off
3: and ran through Rice at one one stage if you look in the highlights yeah. I think yeah. I think it leads to uh, one
2: of their attempts yeah and I saw the hmm. stat that after the game Veratti had had more completed passes than Rice um Phillips and then the sub Henderson combined yeah. I mean the
3: overall possession stats at the end I mean were quite quite astonishing for a final but it's. It, but they seem to back up the fact that England did just after they went one all up. Just just sat off. I mean, we're talking about thirty five percent overall, which is the lowest possession in a game at Wembley since uh, they played you know a, a decent sp- uh, Spanish team in two thousand and sixteen. Yeah, well, Chris, Chris used the phrase on the ropes and
4: watching it, I mean, I honestly, I couldn't see Italy scoring. I, I really didn't. I mean, they had uh, Chiesa was one that had a run through and hit it wide. That was really their only sniff in the first half. But Italy were, you know, they were so rattled and so on the ropes that, you know, I, I sort of find it hard to argue with Southgate's sort of intent in the first half because it was working things. You know, the wing back play worked at the, at the start. Yes, you didn't see it again, but it was it was very comfortable the first half. I mean, Italy did start to grow into it, but whenever they got towards the edge of the box, they were trying to thread balls and were threading them straight out of play and, and things like that. So things generally were working.
3: Yeah, I, I did feel, I've got to admit, I did feel comfortable in that first half. And the, and the thought did cross my mind. If we get a second here, you get the crowd in on it game after over that. Then. It could be really seriously game over, and the thing about the Italians—they play in a heightened emotional state. So if they start not liking it, then you could get a third, and this this could be easier than you think. Well, that's the way when
2: the red cards come, doesn't it, and the rash tackles, yeah, and the exactly, yeah, chatting but on the ref's ears and stuff.
3: The tempers flare, and uh, they they are the you know pioneers of their own destruction. And I think that was. That was the decision that probably Southgate had to make, but you saw how, and you know I'm not saying it's a bad thing how, and a lot of people have used the word pragmatic and how he's been that to get the result at the end of the day. But I always thought if you carried on playing like you know this withdrawn uh, letting them have the ball, that, that once this game gets into deep water, Italy will give us a, a real rough ride. and once we switched into the second half, it looked like that goal was inevitable.
2: Unfortunately, yeah, because they just they've they've they flattened our midfield in the end, you know, Mason Mount didn't get a kick. And we the big thing that I took away from you know normal time, extra time, but actually the whole game was that we didn't we either couldn't or wouldn't get our creative players on the ball. You know, Mount is essentially a creative player. You've got the pace of Sterling, the pace of Saka when he came on. You know, you've got what Kane can bring to it, you know, when Grealish came on for the brief cameo he had, etc. These are all players that want to get on the ball and play, and we just didn't. I think it was. I mean, it was before
3: the half-hour mark that you started to fear the worst. When Italy made that double substitution with the Mobley coming off, and uh, I think Barella was on a yellow card, so they they took him off. That's when you. That was the you know the the big seismic shift. And again, you know, Southgate was not responding to it at all. I mean, no. the, he wasn't the, proactive. The first hmm. he he basically let them make the first move, and then there was. I mean, it doesn't mean you don't have to bring on subs just for the hell of it. But there was nothing uh, happening until. I think it was uh, Saka came on on the on the seventy first minute, and that, and that was you know what was Saka saying? That's saying more of the same, but we'll try to catch you on the counter. But Chiellini, I mean, just that pulling him back—that was very symbolic of uh, Saka's whole night.
2: It's just just clinical, isn't it, from the Italians? They just shut us down completely, and I, I just thought we had the opportunity probably before they scored because you know they, the goal had been coming for probably ten, maybe fifteen minutes. If you see that that's coming on on the hour mark, which is you now your traditional give it to the hour mark, see where we're at, then you could be proactive, and that was the stick or twist moment and we didn't we didn't we didn't make a proactive move did. We?
0: Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first.
1: ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Let's switch
3: to the second topic which is the decision to make the back play the back 5 and the response to what you're saying here like on the on the on the hour mark on how that back 5 was actually working I mean we've already said it's t- it did turn into a back 5 it was used against Germany but Jack came on first because it was like Southgate decided he'd want to win the game yeah but that that mentality I don't think was ever there at any stage I think almost like Saka's come on, just give them something to think about to try to, uh, you know, keep them, give them an air of caution. But, you know, we saw what happened. As soon as Saka broke the line, he was like, yeah, come back here, kid. I'll take the tactical yellow card. You're not going anywhere. The big thing was, said whenever Italy were proactive, made that
4: change. I I don't really rate Immobile at all as a striker. Whenever he went off and like Insigne went into like a false nine, the left key is where he was, out wide to cause the damage. Um, and singing didn't even he didn't even go near the centre backs. He stayed a bit deeper. It went to him, and then he played in Chiesa, Let Chiesa do the the damage and run. It was just a, com- a completely different game, and that's when the five began to really you know, be
2: under the course there. They were right back the whole time. Yeah, well, we basically retreated to the 18-yard line. It was very much like watching Villa and De Bruce at times, to be honest.
3: You know, as you said, Chris, uh, you had no problems with the back five, and, and nope. neither did I. I expected it 100%. It was, you know, we, I think we said in the last podcast, it was the formation for when Southgate realises this is going to be a tough game. You know, i.e. you're playing your Spains, Germany's, Italy, the, it's France, the top tier teams. But this was the problem it couldn't react in the circumstance we were. It, you know What is the outlook for that formation? Is it to grind out a result? I think
2: it's to hold a team at arm's length to give you control, but you've got just enough punch if your fullbacks can get involved that you can potentially overload a fullback. You know, if you get, say, Shaw and Sterling out on the left or Saka and you know, it was Trippier or Walker or whoever, you know, whoever gets forward. But you, after the first goal, you ne- you very seldom saw our fullbacks getting into their half. Whereas, of course, through the tournament, you know, like for instance, the Germany game where we played the back three with the wing-backs, Luke Shaw was the overlap, wasn't he? And then yeah. Jack Jack became the overlap. Both those goals came from overloading the fullbacks. We didn't do that. And because we didn't get the fullbacks into the game, as I said earlier, Rice and Phillips got overrun. By yeah. three, very good players. Now, yeah, I, I and- actually rate Rice and Phillips quite highly, but the Italians had three guys who've got a bit more experience at that level. And by, and the longer the game went on, I think he brought Rice off for Henderson, which I didn't agree with that move. But I think Rice was just blowing. I think he'd run his race. But that was probably the time to go, okay, do I go with Henderson or do I go and be brave here? And yeah. maybe move Mount back into the middle, give us someone who can get on the ball and put Jack in further forward and make it be a proactive Move to say actually, if we can get a second here, I think it's game over. Which I, I think, it, as you said, I think it would have been. Yeah, I've put, I've, I've you know,
3: I've seen uh, like the stats where they're they're comparing the uh, the five, the back five against the the back four, and uh, using the metric of uh, expected, uh, I think expected big chance. Mm-hmm. I think is the metric, and uh, when they played the the back four, no team got over uh, one. Expected best chance. It was 0. Whatever. When we played Germany, it was 1.33. Played Italy, it was 2.69. Giving up uh, big chances. But those are the two best teams we played. So it makes that kind of statistic. You know, those teams are always
2: yeah. They're always going to have a moment in the game.
3: Doesn't matter what fucking formation you play. It's uh, you're going to give up chances to them because they're good. And anything actually, I
2: think Germany probably had the, the the out and out better chances than Italy did.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, I would I would
4: agree with that. The thing that struck me was. I mean, there was talking in the semi-final, about how South sorry Southgate had showed like a ruthless streak and being able to you know take Jack off again after being yeah. subbed on. We explained that. I think in the final that ruthless streak wasn't there because no, I agree. You know, if you yeah, if you if agree. you're being if you're being ruthless, Mount's coming off. Saka might be coming off again. Um, you know, Henderson wasn't great when he came on either. It's just you, you needed to really go right. I've put, I've put on a sub here, it's the wrong sub, it's not his fault, and whether it's possession, whether it's sort of temperament, the, the time of the game. I, the tar- I did
3: I did actually put a tweet out in the game, yeah. uh, is it time to sub sub Saka? Yeah, because it's, it might not have been his fault, but he was sort
4: of he was between, he was sort of like drifting into like a, to be another right back, because we know he's yeah. played that position in Arsenal, it's maybe a position of comfort for him, because it, he just wasn't like the Saka that we saw against, against yeah. the Czechs when he first came on.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll say it again, Italy specialise in the, my phrase, deep water games and that it was evident that Saka wasn't the right choice at that moment. Now, I've understood when he's, you know, he's come on in front of Grealish before. I mean, I'm not getting blinded by uh, Claret and Blue goggles, but in this game, the more it played out, I I just thought, I think Grealish is the move here because A, as Chris said, just holds the ball up better, but uh, he's up for this kind of battle. He's got a couple more years in the bank. I mean, he's 25. He loves the rough and tumble. And I think... He could get, you know, he could drop into this game with the Italians and start frustrating them again. If you played Grealish from the start, I think they would have had a plan for him. I mean, if Brighton and the likes of Burnley can uh, keep Grealish at bay and, you know, made a plan for it, you're going to bet the Italians are going to. They did have a plan for when he ever came on because he got stud straight in there. I mean, he he drew blood, didn't he? He was bleeding. Yeah.
2: yeah, the tackle that went—you know, mm, yeah. straight to his knee. That was a horrible tackle.
3: That wasn't by mistake. That tackle that yeah. was there on purpose. That was to uh, basically sh- try to short circuit him and give him something to think about. But I would have brought Grealish on. That I think that was the first move there. For everything we've discussed so far, we needed. We we were at that point when they brought those two subs in. I just thought, Italy, we're struggling now, and Italy are only going to be. They've made a proactive move here for a reason. Something's going to happen. We need to do something. And, you know, we've discussed what wasn't working. And I think Grealish is somebody, if we are deep, he can actually pick the ball up from deep and run with it. I mean, you know, we've decried him picking up the ball too deep for Villa at times, but in this game, he could have been a useful outlet.
2: Well, he gets you up the field. And that's, prob- and that's probably why he kept Sterling on, because he's just, he, I think we said in the previous pod, he gives you straight line speed. But yeah. Jack, Jack and Sterling are different, but they both get you up the field in a different way, especially if Kane is getting wrapped up with the two centre-backs, which he was. Although the one moment he didn't, we scored. But we just, we never isolated either the fullbacks or, you know, for all the talk from pundits before the game of the the weak point of Italy is the two centre-backs getting sucked into the middle. And if you can get runners beyond them, we didn't do it after the second minute. And it's like, actually, that game would have been a game for pace and ball carriers. It was a game for Jack, Sterling, Sancho, possibly. It was get up the field and pressure them. I don't think we were good enough to to manage or shut the game down at 1-0 because you, no. you, you, you're always allowing for a mistake or a bit of luck and there's a little bit of, bit of that with the equaliser it's a scrappy goal but you allow for that to happen yeah
3: this is a young inexperienced team I mean a few of them obviously played in the World Cup but second youngest team in the tournament if you're going to tell me that Italy with you know looking at who their centre backs are mm. are going to go one nil up and then close the game down I'm going to believe you that it could happen but this team I don't think is uh, I mean they've impressively uh, haven't conceded you know they've only conceded one goal and that was a set piece it's not going to happen but i mean you know you mentioned kane kane failed to muster a shot or create a goal scoring chance for only the second time in in his 61 appearances for england barely
2: had a touch in the penalty area
3: i don't think he had one
2: nope. no no I mean, I think I think Southgate was in the, the old-fashioned English manager approach. There was a lot of things that reminded me of Croatia, unfortunately, where we ran out of steam, didn't have a plan B. And I don't like using the, you know, we've, we've decried the plan A, plan B thing on here before with Villa. Well, he has got a plan A and plan B. It's four but defenders it or five defenders. <laughs> but I, th- I think he was either hoping for Sterling or Saka or one of the wide guys to get him up the field and produce a moment of genius, or he was hoping for a foul and then a set piece. Which actually, sure, set pieces were pretty good, um, but we didn't, you know, didn't again, didn't, didn't trouble Donnarumma.
3: Yeah, I mean, I didn't mind Mount's uh, early doors. You, you know, you're thinking that he's been in the Champions League final. You know, he's he's got, uh, despite his uh, years, you know, his age, he's uh, he's got that twinkle in his eye as well. But you know, it, it, he was just crushed in the second half. Wasn't we, he? As
2: I said, we we didn't get our creative players on the ball. Yeah whether it's, you know, bravery, whether it's you just, you have to maybe doth your cap to Italy and say, actually, once they got the shock out of their system, they actually managed to control us and hold us at arm's length. And, you know, the the
3: headline is, Italy are a a good team. And this is not, wasn't going to be easy because it doesn't matter what, who he plays, uh, Southgate. The problem is, you've got to do something out of the ordinary to beat Italy, and yeah. Italy aren't aren't going to suddenly be bad because I don't know Grealish starts over so and so or comes on earlier. It does Everything is hypothetical apart from what happened.
2: Yeah, I mean, they've they've ultimately got um, a much better unit than we have. I think we've probably got the the better match winning individuals, but it, it doesn't count for much against a yeah. team like that. I think they. when I mean, they're well just, drilled, you know, all the all the subs they made probably worked. All the subs we made didn't. I think it comes down to variety again. I mean, it's, it's stupid stupid
4: look back at the pick in the squad now, but I mean, Belling, Bellingham. Didn't get used that much. As great a player as he is, would Ward prowse have been more of a weapon to have on the on the bench in, in the final like that? If you are going to rely on set pieces, should you throw on Calvert Lewin earlier? Players like this is just—it's
3: all ifs and ands now. You, the names you just mentioned there—I don't see them doing much against Italy, to be honest with you. I think we had enough uh, in terms of personnel, not enough to win this necessarily, but enough to hatch a plan or, or respond. But we had to do something, and you know the reason why we highlighted the early part. Is, I, think, I think that attitude switch of uh, we seem to be having a go at Italy early doors and then suddenly, very swiftly, switch to a more defensive outlook and one of consolidation.
2: I do, I do wonder if Southgate maybe acknowledged that if we went for it, we were more than likely to get picked off.
3: Well, I mean, that's an obvious statement, isn't it? It's, it's what's I think happen. he maybe
2: thought we were very likely for that to happen if you know, maybe he didn't think we were tied enough with the ball or you know, whatever.
3: And also respecting Italy because yeah. they they have been I mean the group stages they were the best team by a, by and they a were banging mile. goals you
2: know they scored was it th- three times twice and yeah and then they showed their battling qualities against a very good Spain side in the semi-finals.
3: Ultimately, as we said at the start of the show, England, you know it was a draw. England did hold hold their own, so it almost nullifies whatever happened in the game. To the final discussion point, and uh, this is the penalty debate. Unfortunately, when it comes to penalties, this is now England have only won two out of nine. That's 22% of all major tournament shootouts, World Cup Euros. And that's the lowest ratio of any European nation to have been involved in three or more tournaments. So ultimately, you could argue, well, we had to kind of win it. And we didn't probably go for it as much as we could have done in the first half. Maybe... Didn't make the right subs. So the thing about bringing on Grealish, he should have been on a lot earlier. It, what are you trying to achieve by bringing him on so deep into uh, injury time? I don't know. But anyway, let's let's get to the penalties. By the way, just for the record, he came on in the 99th minute, which uh, you'd have thought at least he'd come on at the start of extra time, if not uh, during the, the first 90 minutes.
2: Especially with the way the, the game had gone, you know, when you when you at the point of ninety minutes, I was glad for extra time to be honest because we were probably lucky to still be in the game at that point. Yeah. Thought right, hit the hit the reset button, let's go again.
3: Yeah, no, I, I had that exact feeling. It was like, yeah, oh, just give us extra time now. Right. In terms of penalties, we know the we know uh, the debates here, but let's ever let's have a think about this. Uh, first problem is we lost the coin toss, which but we lost uh, one of
2: the tosses, didn't we? I think we won the toss to choose end but lost the toss who would go first
3: and going first is I uh, can't remember the actual stats uh, it's high 60s I think yeah, yeah it's, it's heavily weighted two thirds mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's about two thirds win if you go first and uh, that was a concern But early doors, England switched the advantage and they switched that pressure of going uh, second because they took the lead after Kane Maguire fulfilled their obligations and Pickford saved it. So at that point, you're in a great, great, great situation. And this this is where it gets controversial. It's because Southgate subbed for penalty kicks and he brought on Rashford and Sancho on the 120-minute mark. Now, the, the headline is Southgate is taking responsibility for... The order and and the takers of the kicks. Now, people have misread this in terms of you know he's saying that he's chosen Saka over the other ones, etc. You know, etc. etc. What you know, what's he doing? 19 uh, year olds taking the last uh, the fifth penalty, et cetera. Et cetera. But I th- the way this breaks down, though, is he has in his mind the order of penalty takers based on training, you know, based on what they've done at their clubs, but mainly how they've been practicing these penalties every day so he's bringing on Rashford and Sancho because proven in this in their respective seasons last season Rash, Rashford got three out of three Sancho scored three out of three and uh, Rashford also scored I think it's against Villa Real. so the only conversation is bringing them on and the, literally the last minute and then I don't think they touched the ball before they took the penalty kick is that a bet sure a bet then a warmed up player who's played a lot of the game, who actually doesn't fancy it and he isn't in that list of order. So Southgate's essentially saying he chose the, the players because he's looking at that list of preferred players and he sees he's still got two subs left and he can bring on two players that are literally in the top five if he could choose his penalty takers. So he's brought them on to get them in the top five. Now, I think he's been too strict with his order because the way it's shaped up, that order... Saka's number, the fifth man all of a sudden and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second but ultimately if Pickford makes two saves you should win the penalties I mean that is the bottom line a keeper to make two saves you'd put your money on that team to win wouldn't you
2: yeah which Ed did, it. and that
3: is the uh, the frustrating thing here because we were from being ahead from then missing two penalties we suddenly found ourselves in a position where if they scored we were out, and Pickford did a Mark Bosnik against Tramia Rovers, yeah, saved you it. Got
2: us out of jail, and you think, right now, going, there's your opportunity. Yeah. there's your second life, and you've squandered it.
3: And then I saw Saka step up, and you know, I just looked at his face, and I just thought, oh fuck, yeah. he's not, he's not scoring this. he the whole, no whole fucking rim. way. Yeah, the whole room we were in when we
4: seen Sacco just walk over we just went, oh no. And it's not like it's not a reflection on him. It's a reflection on how he played in the game. You just think And the
3: situation. Yeah.
4: He's carrying a bad game performance in, and it's it's, it's not rocket science. I mean very rarely do they turn it round in the shootout and suddenly miraculously become a hero. It's just it hasn't been a good game. It's one where you say, right, skip him down the order a bit.
3: Because it's not necessarily uh a case of the age is the factor because, you know, I remember I think France being it- it beat Italy in like Trezeguet was 20. They had another youngster who scored their penalty.
4: Michael Owen scored his, didn't they, against uh, yeah. Argentina? I remember Graham Fenton scored against Tranmere.
3: This is the most important penalty that any English player has ever taken. They've only taken him in semi-finals before. So I don't think Southgate thought about that. And I think on his list, Saka was ahead of Grealish. Uh, saka was ahead of sterling i think what southgate thought i will not let emotions kind of overrule this we will stick to this list and they, they would have gone through every permutation in creating that list and they just thought right let's try to keep emotions out of it let's just stick to, to the list and i think ultimately that backfired
4: it's where stats can let you down i mean i joke about not liking stats but it's a penalty should I mean there's a simplicity to a penalty 12 yards ball bait keeper goal I mean there's, you don't need to put any more stats into that so then it does come down to the mental side I think the key
3: miss is, is the Rashford one because the Rashford one gives you momentum doesn't it because he actually beats the keeper but he doesn't hit the target it's not like credit to the keeper or it's a weak penalty that the keeper saves those are the worst penalties that I hate I hate them that's the Sancho one and a Saka one but if Rashford scores it's suddenly the pressures on Italy on the next penalty the whole dynamic shifts Saka's suddenly taken a penalty to win the tournament and it's a different pressure it's not based on fear and dread
2: (laughs) and there's a certain level of insurance policy it's a bit like if you remember in the in the Albion one when the Villa had it, Albert Adoma had a penalty to win it, didn't he? it, but yeah. knowing that Tammy could get the next one,
3: so you know it's a fr- it's almost a free hit in terms of you know Saka. So the pressure uh, is a is a is a bit off, and and of course uh, you'd have seen uh, old Jack Grealish uh, take one at sixth, no doubt, unless the dynamic of Rash- Rashford scoring put extra pressure on Italy and they missed a penalty. I just
4: thought it was it was a bit concerning when I seen Harry Maguire st- step up second. No he oh, did the dis- penalty though. What I mean, I I was made to look stupid whenever he dispatched the best penalty I've seen in in years. Yeah, but I mean, if you if you cast your mind back to Euro '96, it used to be the like the best penalty takers took the first five and you were thinking, I mean, I remember Shearer taking, Platt taking, Gascoigne taking, yeah, Sheringham I, I, I taking. I think
3: there's always, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that's like a set blueprint because there's always a defender that blasts, the centre-back that blasts it through the middle. There's always like somebody who gives it a rocket because I think those, I mean, and normally, you know, they either go in and it's like, yeah, experienced head, bang, in, or they hit the bar or go, you know, over like Ekiog when he hit the bar against Trammier. But I didn't, I just thought that's somebody who's a, a leader taking the penalty. And I and I felt less worried than when I saw Rashford and Sancho's run-up and also yeah. Saka's, Saka walking up. Because there is, I don't get this, these silly little jogging on the spot, fast, you know, sprinting on the spot kind of run-ups.
4: Well, Rashford didn't even look at the ball the whole time. He gave the the, the, yeah. You give the
2: keeper the eyes is the argument, isn't it? You wait for the keeper to go, he commits and you go. But then if you don't execute it perfectly, you, you end up looking the way you look. But there is an argument for the old-fashioned way sometimes as well. And I think, I mean, it, my my opinion on this doesn't really count for Jack's shit. But if, if I'm in that position, I'd probably give a penalty to someone like Pickford because he's going to lace the shit out of it and he's going to take the goalie in with it. Same as probably someone like Luke Shaw, but that is the Maguire
3: thing. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking if uh, Rashford scores that penalty. Whatever happens to to Zachary, he's either taking it to win, or if he misses, then you've certainly... you're still in the game. Even though they're not up in the in you know the the list, you've got you you've got Grealish, you've got Sterling, you've got Stones, Phillips, and Shaw. And Pickford, because he takes them as well. And that's not bad, going into sudden death, because normally sudden death is all about, oh, shit, when do we get to our real weak links? And England didn't really, you know, have one, apart from the guys that actually took them. But it looks quite a good lineup, isn't it? You know, if it goes five-five or sorry, three-three or whatever, you're going into sudden death. But then you've got well, we've got Grealish, Sterling, Stones, Phillips, Shaw. That's not bad. And I think Grealish was the sixth man. Now I, you know, I saw on social media after the game that there was so many fans hoping that Grealish wouldn't take a penalty, and that is that says a lot. Not I'm not talking about Grealish, but that sh- says a lot of what the responsibilities of Rashford, Sancho, and Saka had.
2: And fair play to them for stepping up in that moment, ultimately.
3: Because a lot of you, you know, your club fans don't want to see their you know top men go through the potential
2: uh, you don't want your guy to be that guy
3: yeah if Grealish stepped up in sudden death I I wouldn't have any problems because it's like you know now is the time to uh, kind of earn
2: earn um, the hype you know whenever Jack puts his foot on the ball at any moment on a football pitch you know he's confident yeah always you need that confidence that I'm going to bury this
3: yeah so I had no problem with him but just the reaction certain fans just didn't want him to be the you know the full guy for a loss shows you you you've got to factor that in when you you know you see what happened to Rashford, Sancho and Saka and you know Rashford I would have fancied him you know he's yeah, been well, in, have, he's, be he's been in a cup final and and his penalty as as I said he beat the keeper but the problem is uh, didn't hit the target which is the number one thing and that I think was the pivotal moment and you know Saka penalty yes he shouldn't be there I mean how would you I would probably have had Rashford on fifth to be honest.
2: Probably. It would, I mean, I tell you what, if, if all had gone to plan, Rashford scoring the winning penalty politically would have been a brilliant story as well. Yeah. yeah it's all very Roy the Rovers, isn't it?
3: Or well, Grealish scoring the winning penalty. <laughs> this is true. That would have been, uh, for, from a Villa point of view, it would have been epic. And for Grealish, he, he would uh, couldn't have written the script any better, I don't
2: think. No, he'd be Mr. GQ Man of the Year, wouldn't he? And all that kind of stuff. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> There's the quote, Mister GQ Man of the Year. But yeah, no, I mean, hindsight is a wonderful thing. But Saka fifth was a strange thing.
2: It's, it's ultimately, it's, it's a sh- you know, it's a shame. But we've 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 come to know penalty heartache before, so it's not a huge surprise.
3: Yeah, and uh, you know, the uh, bringing them on for uh, penalties. I mean, sometimes I remember Zico coming on for Brazil and, and they got a penalty. But this is, I think, you know, in a group game or a knockout game. In I think it was eighty six. And he missed and nobody thought Zico could ever miss. And it's because you thought it was because he came out of the cold. And that was one thing that came you know, through my head when Rashford and Sancho were brought on. But also you thought, here's the cavalry for the penalties. So there was kind of a little upbeatness to it as well. You're thinking, well, this Sancho worth 73 million apparently. Surely he'll score a penalty.
2: It's just a bit of a toss of the coin thing, isn't it? Yeah, so you've it seen is. it happen before with you know, Tim Krul came on for the Dutch, didn't he, a few years ago and saved penalties. Yeah. He was the hero. Closer to home, you know, we saw yedinak come off the bench against the Baggies. His one and final touch for Villa buried yeah. a penalty. Yeah, so it can yeah. go either way. To, to be honest, it's... Well, I was just thinking the Italians were going to play keep ball and not let the
4: sub happen, and then I suddenly realised there was another three or four minutes of uh, stoppage time where you had Rashford and <laughs> Rashford Sancho <are> right back. <laughs> yeah, suddenly corner <Yeah. laughs> defending corner. So I thought to myself, this could backfire spectacularly, but no, they'd it, it make it to the penalty. Can but you it'd...
2: imagine the especially the press reaction? If Italy scored from that resulting corner, if, say someone like Rashford or Sancho doesn't get their man.
3: Well, I mean that was the argument. Why didn't you bring? Why don't you bring them on earlier so they warm up? But the, exactly what you've just said. It's it's a risk to suddenly throw on a load of strikers and then have to play out like to, say ten minutes. You're suddenly giving uh, your opposition a, a, a real uh, incentive to just throw the kitchen sink at it and have a real go.
2: Or unless you twist, you know, you change your shape slightly and go. Actually, do you know what? We're going to be positive here. I might not have to bring. Sancho on but I'm going to bring Rashford on. Yeah. We'll go 442 and we'll go for it or you know whatever combination you, know, you you want to end up playing that's another positive move.
3: Yeah, I would have definitely brought one of them on to just go for it rather than just I mean both teams seem content with penalties uh, once you got deeper into uh the second period of yeah. extra time
2: especially especially when Sancho and Rashford are both direct with the ball at their feet.
3: Yeah. I think it was a missed opportunity there you try you know it's like Alex Ferguson would be trying to win that game wouldn't he before instead of going to penalties.
2: Yeah. Well, he'd always have the attitude of we've got nothing to lose.
3: Yeah, I mean, you saw that against Bayern Munich where they decided to score two goals in injury time to flip a game. They went scoring one to equalise and then uh
2: I mean, You saw it how England played penalties. against Denmark, didn't you? No, England went for it a bit more in extra time. And actually, they could have gone for it a lot more in the second period of extra time against the, the Danes.
3: You, you obviously factor in that Italy aren't allowing you to go for it, but also yeah, you, you can you can make some shifts to uh, to show intent. But uh, you've anyway. got to give them
2: something to think about, even if it's just psychologically to go, oh, fucking England, you know. The, the, now the cavalry's coming. Of which, when you look at England's bench, it gives off that impression, but it, it didn't. It didn't happen. You know, ultimately, Southgate got it right pretty much all the way through the tournament, as we'd said numerous times. In the final, you know, unfortunately, everyone's allowed an off day, but he had it on the the wrong day to have it.
3: Or his learning curve isn't quite. There, yeah I mean, that's yeah, why I want
2: fair, that's why I wanted Italy in the because I wanted
3: to have a proper test.
2: you want to beat the best don't you
3: and and then you know have a real game and and have a real scalp but in the end it was a bridge too far but as we said it was only penalties but if this was on points if there wasn't penalties and it was like a boxing referee you'd have given that to Italy on points I mean you've only got to look at the fact we had two shots on target and six shots all in and they had 19
2: so uh, yeah I mean my my sort of parting gift on it with a few of my pals was that if you're not brave enough or able enough to win it in 120 minutes you deserve whatever look, you know, whichever way the coin toss is going to go, really.
3: Yeah, no, I would say that. I mean, you know, that's why we did a separate section on the penalties, because it's almost like a game within itself, isn't it? And yeah. uh, as we said, only two out of nine, we're not very good at that game. Let's then just, just final summary of the tournament. I think just looking at England, this is a t- team, as we mentioned, average age of 25, which is the second youngest in the tournament behind Turkey. I mean, 25 is Grealish's age. So I think going forward to Qatar, it's... Uh, it's still going to be a very young team, but, you know, Qatar's a different beast because it's uh, it's not in Europe, which is a massive advantage normally for European teams, and we don't know uh, if they've got air conditioning stadiums or what's happening. They're playing it in winter, so it's going to be hotter still.
2: So It won't be sort of sweltering, though. It'd be the same as if it was like a summer World Cup in Europe. Yeah. I mean, I remember you we know, had World Cup we had in Germany. It was bloody hot there, so...
3: Yeah, no, uh, true. Mm-hmm. But uh, would you would you now class England as a uh, world force because let's not forget semi-final last world cup, final euros, everybody always wants to quickly line up and discredit any time England do well. Oh, easy draw, you know. You know, but they beat Germany and and in 90 120 minutes drew against Italy, so they will not and I think Denmark was a decent win because
2: uh Croatia that, aren't a bad side.
3: Yeah, Croatia. I mean, they went down fighting against they Spain. They put three
2: past the Spanish, yeah.
3: Yeah, so I've got no complaints here because, uh, you know, you look at Belgium, they're going to be exactly. uh, ace. What, what happened to them? And they're the
2: argument for playing attractive open football. Exactly.
3: That is exactly uh, probably the best point for anybody who's criticising. They're like the
2: Newcastle of, you know, under Keegan of international football.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's
2: all
4: about the balance, though, isn't it? It's just, it's not quite it's about, hmm. it's about winning. It's about winning.
2: I, th- I think we're in, we're, in a, we're in an elite club. I don't necessarily think we're top of it, but I think there's, especially because when I've looked at some of the South American sides, there's there's no real, what I'd call like standout world force. Like, you know, traditionally no. Brazil would, you'd always think when Brazil get to a tournament, they'll be good. Brazil don't look great at the minute. Argentina no. don't look great. The French, you'd never quite know. If they turn it on, they could and retain that- their title.
3: And that's and that's probably. I mean, Holland way way off. I mean, I saw them Dreadful. in their in their game, and they, they they were diabolical. Not even a shot on target against the Czechs.
2: So I think because because our curve is going up, we're getting better.
3: The headline is there's not that many uh, big teams out there. I mean, you look at Italy now; they've got to rebuild those centre backs because they can't go on forever.
2: They might still be there. You know, they might have like yeah. 38 30 year olds. It's that tournament will come round surprisingly quickly. Yeah. I mean, I look at the England team, for example, and you think, well, normally after a tournament, you'd always get one or two who retire or you'd get a turnover of players. I can't think of any of them who won't be there. No, and- Henderson, but I'd imagine he'll try and stick around if he can. And a lot of them were growing. I mean, including yeah, yeah, up, yeah.
3: including the Villa guys, were were growing in that tournament to become uh, recognised international. So that it was a big tournament for in terms of England for growth. I mean, at the start of the, the tournament, I didn't, I wasn't looking at them to win it. It was only when they started to be really pragmatic in the group. I think we said on the show where mm-hmm. actually, if you're going to win it, this is perhaps the way to go because uh, we could be, uh, you know, playing all-out attacking football. Embarrassment of riches, young attacking talent, but you know, it's not going to win you anything because we know how these things go.
2: I was quite apathetic before the tournament and I, I always grow into tournaments anyway, but I think it was that 48-hour that period where the French lost to the Swiss. You know, there were those two amazing games with you know, Croatia, Spain, Switzerland, France. And then, and then I thought, actually, if we win you know, the day after against Germany, this blows the draw right open. And then yep. you thought, wow, and now this is an opportunity. Because before that, everyone sort of thought, well, you might, you'll, you'll get through the group phase easily, but you're going to probably end up playing Portugal or France or one of them, and it might be your games up very early.
3: Yeah, and I did tweet, if we beat Germany, we're in the final.
2: And yeah. people, people yeah.
3: were saying to me, embarrassing, oh, you know, how can you say that? Embar- and they said, well, no, just look at the draw,
2: <laughs> how, it's, how, it's, <laughs> how it's unfolding. I mean, it, it was relatively kind because whatever you say, if you're England playing at Wembley, even and, and the fact that we had to go away from home, but to play Ukraine, nine yeah. times out of 10, you expect to beat Ukraine. And even though the Danes are good, you expect a tough game, but you expect to get the job done. Yeah, with all due respect to them.
3: Right. So at the moment, we have I think England are on the on the curve upwards, and uh, I think Spain are getting a new team together, and they look. Uh, I think if they get a proper forward who can actually take his chances, they'll be dangerous. But there's also you know an opportunity for countries to rise: Hungary, Switzerland, and Denmark really showed what you can achieve when you play as a team, whether this was just, you know, every every dog has his day. It could be one of those cases in the tournament or whether they'll uh, build on that. But I think the Swiss were particularly impressive because normally they, I'm just scr- screaming at the TV just to get them knocked out because they're just wasting time in the tournament.
2: Because they always get knocked out in the round of sixteen. Don't they? Traditionally, at tournament. Yeah, group that, phase just about.
3: Yeah, and it's like how boring. But uh, this tournament, they they definitely contributed massively to uh, making you know a few exciting games. Actually,
2: I take it we're all in agreement though that we're glad that this will be the last certainly UEFA tournament that happens in multiple host cities, and that won't that nonsense won't be happening again. It will be back to just having. Host country.
3: Well, this was actually uh, the UEFA president uh, Alexandra kefferin confirmed uh, there wouldn't be uh, another Euros spread out across Europe with Good. so many host cities. He said, "I would not support it anymore. I think it was too challenging and, in a way, not correct that some teams have to travel more than ten thousand kilometres while others have to Agreed. travel one k." Agreed. And uh, he said that while, you know, confirming that there's going to be disciplinary investigation into the English uh, supporters antics at Wembley ahead and after the Euros, they're going to be busy uh, the next few uh, days. Yeah. But yeah, England are progressing on the field, but off the field, it's, uh, it's another matter
2: why we continually get let down by, you know, frankly, idiots. And to be fair to the you know the team, they're gonna they're gonna have quite a quick turnaround considering I saw the the fixtures, you know, they got I think it's three in September and then another two in October and two more in November. The World Cup qualifiers have been really condensed. So the start of the season is just gonna be completely like chaos before Christmas. I presume they're trying to like, you know, concertina the seasons to get the gap in for December. Next year,
3: yeah, um, no doubt we'll talk about this uh, as we start to talk about Villa season ahead. Uh, the effects on this uh, World Cup qualifying campaign—it's—it's uh, going to keep breaking up the momentum of the season, which is—and uh, of
2: course the African nations and even things like Douglas Luiz going to the Olympics. You know, we won't see him the first few weeks of the season, I'm sure. Yeah, that finishes so, on the 7th, if I'm right in saying, 7th of August, if Brazil go the whole way.
3: So on that note, uh, all I can say is Aston Villa, get the checkbook out and uh, build us a squad that can withstand all these tournaments.
2: Right, anything else to say, finally? It's just nice to be back to domestic action again. To be honest,
3: well, I don't. You sound like the Euros was an inconvenience as a matter. I always enjoy an international. No, tournament. I, I, enjoy,
2: I enjoy the tournament. I just, I, I do look forward. I, I, I always like the excitement of that. You know, a new season brings the blind
3: optimism. The hopium. blind
2: optimism that gets <laughs> killed by about November.
3: <laughs> the hopium that you start smoking at the best behind the bike sheds there. Shh. All right until next time thank you very much for uh joining us and listening uh, once again please do support the show as a my All man said patron if you can and get access to uh, match club which also contains screen club and investo club and maybe i should tell people about them in the on the website and uh, that's something i, I thought, I thought uh... the
2: first rule of match club was you don't talk about match club
3: yeah no that is uh true actually it's uh more delights once you're through the doors but uh, it's still full of secrets but thank you very much uh, for the last week or so to uh, Jake Lawrence, Ben Wiggett Jan Gulfoil, Ben Abbott and Phil Jones for signing up as My old Man Said patrons also uh, a big thanks to James Gittings and Dave Evans for signing up as uh, annual members, if you sign up as an annual member you get two months off free which is uh, a saving of around 15% so uh, please do go to myoldmansaid.com com and check out the uh, patron link on the menu bar for more details there please do subscribe to the podcast on uh, whatever podcast app you use uh, especially apple also don't forget to uh, spread the word on social media as well thank you very much and until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye <laughs>